Uh, good evening, everybody, and welcome to uh, episode 129 of Bang Bang Podcast. My name is Andy, and uh, yeah, each week I'm joined by a special guest to look at an exciting, exciting event from wrestling history. Uh, fourth from this week in wrestling history. Um, I mean, it depends what week you're listening to, actually, so it might be a little more bollocks. But the episode that is released on this date in history is uh, is from this week in history. I think you know what I mean. I'd like to think you do anyway. Um, yeah, as you can tell, this is a highly polished uh, enterprise. Um, again, I, like last week, I did realize some people might just listen to this for the first time and think, what a load of absolute tosh um but if you are listening to us for the first time it does get better it does get better i'm not drinking tonight i'm actually drinking i've got the last tea bag of some very posh chai tea which i uh, bought a few months back and i've just finished that off tonight i've got a can of diet coke um i was up till two o'clock in the morning last night watching the the event covering tonight so i am uh to use a technical term hanging out of my arsehole at the moment so um yeah not literally obviously this is, luckily this isn't a visual podcast so um but yeah uh so yeah uh, last week was myself and Sai Powell talking about Russell War 89 um a bit of a mixed bag that show some possibly one of the the end of one of the greatest trilogies in wrestling history um and a start of an amazing angle with Flair and Funk going forwards and then you also had Ranger Ross and the Dynamic Dudes and, um, yeah, some not-so-good stuff. Uh, but size, is a legend of, of the game, and he knows a lot about WCW. Um, but yeah, and yeah, he's always good to have on the show. And, uh, yeah, go check that out if you get a chance. It was great. Um, thank you to Dream Kid, as always, for letting us use uh, some of his music for the intro to the show. Um, I mean, if you love your 80s synth stuff, which I do, you'll 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 love Dreamkid. He'd be right up your street. Uh, good cover of the Terminator theme he released a couple of weeks ago, which is really really good. The original Terminator theme. Um, big thanks to uh, Sean uh, at Pigs Bladders for doing the artwork for the show. I'm gonna cough now. <coughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's a top like very talented. Spends far too much time photoshopping my head onto various exciting moments in wrestling history. He does have a life and a job outside of that but um yeah i do appreciate all the work he does for us and yeah great if you uh, get a chance go and check out the spotify playlist bang bang the music which features uh a lot of songs we've spoken about on the show wrestling themes um some of my particular favorites uh, i mean yeah if you look through it is a mix of you know we've got um Slayers on there, which I think uh, features in tonight's pay-per-view, and you've also got Ian McShane singing on there as well. So it's, it's, it's an eclectic, it's an eclectic mix. Um, I'd, I'd say play it at parties, but you don't really want the Bushwhackers theme followed by some, you know, black death metal, which Steve-O suggested. So yeah, you know, it's uh, it's one of those. But um, yeah, I mean, it's an insight. Insight. If you go and look at that playlist, it's an insight into my taste in music as well. So that explains a lot. Um, yeah, so go and check that out. So this week, uh, another returning guest, another um, another uh, uh, high quality podcaster. I'm gonna say he's looking at me, so I gotta say that. <laughs> um, one half of uh, of the One Man's Meat podcast and all the various different uh, offcuts and offshoots which come with that. It's uh, Mr. Chris Bellis, RN. How are you doing, mate? I am very well, thank you, Mr. Bang 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 TNA. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad, I'm not doing too bad. We discussed when we came on, I'm um, probably about five months away from 
qualified as a registered nurse. Even said out loud. Seems quite strange. And those of you that listened to the show in the earlier days would know that uh, Steve would spend most, at least once, every show with taking the opportunity to pillar me for not um, not doing my training at some point. So um, I'm actually doing that now. And um, yeah, it's not far away. So uh, yeah, it's quite scary, mate. But yeah, you're an inspiration to me. Oh, well, thank you, man. Well, uh, from a, I can't say newly qualified anymore, but from a coming from a recently qualified nurse uh, from the past five years, uh, the minute you get into your blues, it'll yeah. feel like the scariest thing in the world until you walk through the door of your ward, and then it'll be the most natural thing in the world, buddy. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it in a in a in a, in a, in a perverse way, but yeah, um, it'd be good. It'd be good to do again. Uh, it'd be good to be able to do everything. Whereas the minute I can do things to a certain point, and I have to get someone else to go and do the rest of it. Whereas, sure. but the thing is, then I'll be expected to do everything as well, which is, uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. But you'll you'll be great, mate. I'm sure. Hmm. Thanks, mate. Um, I listened to the return of a uh, acceptable in the nineties today. Oh yes, yeah. The the long-awaited return after my uh, post WrestleMania nine hangover. Yeah. 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 Still I... podcasting solo on your own is a skill it's an art yeah um a lot of people say that it is um so i i don't know whether that means that i'm particularly good at it or that i should jack it in but um (laughs) but yeah it it all started out as uh basically i i got covid uh around this time last year and i was absolutely bored out of my skull because i couldn't do anything so um yeah i started this little project for fun and uh, yeah, I, I, I just love the freedom of it. Like, I can take a few breaks with it if I want to. I can go down different avenues, uh, especially looking at, like, the 1990s. It's not just about wrestling. It's, you know, the period where I pretty much grew up. So, yeah, uh, it's, like I said last time, it's a real labour of love. And, yeah, it's it's just nice to have the freedom to do that, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously the other, the other shows from the One Man's Meet stable with Danny and... Um... Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah like that's that's always the priority anyway is uh obviously getting the stuff out with danny which is why we've kind of um increased some of our content recently with the the cold cut series so we're yeah. now not just a, a monthly podcast we're now releasing episodes on a weekly basis um obviously with the shorter form cold cuts episodes so we're currently looking at um the only season of wrestling society x doing a an episode a week between the main show and the online spin-off and then whatever season two is going to be it's in danny's hands i'm very excited but yeah it was just um yeah a chance to chat more with danny and and get more content out really which seems to be going quite well if uh listenership and anything's anything to go by yeah definitely always i mean pretty much i'd say 99 percent of the guests i've ever had on this show know more about wrestling than I, than I do. It's always amazed me when you guys are so knowledgeable about stuff which I've. I mean, I've, I've heard of Wrestling Society X, but I never. That, I literally knew about the name. But sure. apart from that, nothing else. I didn't know anything about it at all. And you guys just reeled this stuff off. I mean, Danny, I mean, obviously you're. But Danny is a proper encyclopedia about all sorts of completely random stuff, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Because, like, we, we don't really plan the episodes out as such. It's like we make our own separate set of notes and then we just record on the day because a, a lot of time that is the only time that we've got with like my job and everything yeah. and some of the stuff that he comes out with like just he's gone on a, a random little fact finding chain and found a whole load of stuff it 
completely floors me. Like he's uh, currently doing research for um, one of our upcoming episodes on the main show about um, Albert, about his first running WWE and some yep. of the stuff he's finding. I didn't even know, and I was a proper little geek during his first run <laughs> when it came to wrestling. It was literally all I did was yeah. wrestling and nothing else. And yet here comes Danny, and yeah, he's found stuff I would have never even known about. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, when we get to tonight's show, a lot of the I, I never watched any uh, original ECW until I started doing this podcast until the network came out. So I'm hoping you'll be able to fill in uh, fill in a few blanks with some of these people. Uh, oh, I will. I will certainly try. I mean, it was it was very much in my uh, late nineties, year two thousand wheelhouse was ECW. Yeah, I was I was one of those kids that was you know looking for an alternative and. Yeah. It came around at you know just around the right time where ECW videos were commercially available over here. So yeah, um, you know being a being someone looking for a proven gritty alternative, as long as it was available in HMV. Yeah, and people in fancy dress as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you <laughs> you you can't go wrong with uh, whoever Simon Diamond's going to come out with on a on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we're covering uh, Hardcore Heaven. 2000 from this week in may 2000 uh and we're back covering top 10 uh tonight this week from this uh this week in 2000 and this um it's a, it's not great to be honest but i felt <laughs> we had to go back to because last week we didn't uh we didn't do that we we did a game with Cy Powell, which uh i think on the scale of going tits up it was probably 70 percent favored in it went tits up but yeah but i've got another game in a minute so let's before we get to that before we get to that people uh we're gonna look at the top 10 from may 15th in the year 2000 um and we'll find out a bit more about chris's i'm not sure if we will find more about chris's musical taste in this because it's not really much in this to uh to to discuss or my chris may feel differently well i mean um, I'm, I'm oddly eclectic so we we might learn yeah. nothing other than my main response which is oh yeah that was good <laughs> yeah yeah but this this is very uh dance heavy which in the year 2000 i think i was probably going to some uh, not great clubs and dancing and trying to attract women badly and failing miserably at this time when i had i had i had i had i had hair in 2000 it wasn't um it wasn't great hair to be honest okay yeah yeah uh my hairline started roughly somewhere towards bath it was like uh like here somewhere (laughs) so it it was yeah it it wasn't for a visual podcast just imagine me with a little bit of hair and that was me in 2000 and about three stone heavier um so number ten, uh, Tucker's Miracle. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the uh, the the bootleg that ended up getting signed, wasn't it? It was uh, yeah, yeah um, I need a miracle by Coco and uh, Tucker May by Fragma, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, that's a that that was solid too bad. banger. Yeah. yeah, yeah, solid. Number nine, I'm assuming this is is a, well, it is a re-release. It must be because number nine is The Wicker Man by uh, Iron Maiden. Oh yeah, actually. I don't know, to be honest. I think I think Brave New World came out in the year 2000, and that would have been uh, Bruce Dickinson's return album. I'm not an Iron Maiden person, to be honest. Okay. Um, I mean, no one is. It was a medieval torture device. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, The Wicker <laughs> Man is probably, if not my favourite horror film, the original, obviously, not the... Not the Nick Cave... Uh, no, Nick that's, Cave, even. Not Nick that's Cave a horror film for different reasons, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did see um actually on a Nick Cage uh tangent, I saw the um the unbearable 
what's it what's the unbearable weight of uh immense oh, talent yeah, yeah yeah it's it's a film that based on its title alone i just want to watch it and i don't care if it's bad but i can never remember what it's called yeah no can i it's good though Right. It's, oh, cool. It really yeah, funny, it's, yeah, it's on Prime, isn't it? I think. Yeah. 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 I'll have to look out for that. Um. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, a bit of Iron Maiden, and yeah, the, but yeah, the original Wicker Man is probably my favourite. Well, one of my favourite films of all time, if not my oh, favourite horror film. It's excellent. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a really good. Um. Number eight, The Bad Touch by uh, the Bloodhound Gang. Oh. Very too. We bad. all liked them at some point, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Or did we? <laughs> well, again, it probably ties in with certain elements on this pay-per-view a similar kind of doesn't it very much yeah, yeah. it's it, it's very much that kind of the the bloodhound ganger kind of a band that you like one or two songs of theirs and they seem to be the same one or two um yeah it's it's a real shame really because they're they're quite talented musicians and yet okay um yeah the stuff that they come out with doesn't age very well but never no, mind no um number seven tell me why paul van dyke featuring saint etienne Okay, I, I can't say that uh, that one's jumping out at me. No, in my head I thought I remembered it, and I listened to it back, and I was like, no, I, I can't, no, I don't remember that at all. No, the only song I can think of as "Tell Me Why" in it that would be around about that time is there. Is it "Castles in the Sky" or something? Like that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was a good yeah. one. It was. To be <laughs> yeah. Fair. yeah, yeah. Which is my um, standard answer for everything. But yeah, <laughs> I think I think in the year two thousand, I was pretty much uh, I'd I'd go to the odd nightclub on a friday night you know in an effort to be like everybody else yeah yeah i went through so late 90s i was kind of into the sort of indie grungy phase and going to indie clubs mm. um and then by this point i think i don't know whether uh, the place we used to go to uh, a place called the feckler in bristol which is on a, on a boat mm. i think it got refurbished or we kind of fell out of love with that place and we ended up kind of going back towards sort of mainstream places where we didn't actually like the music but it was one of those we were in our early 20s and so it was kind of felt obligated to go to these places in order to try and meet women yeah fill <laughs> your pocket for the night basically yeah never happened yeah. <laughs> well we've all had those stories haven't we yeah yeah um number six heart of asia by watergate no not ringing a bell no no well it's actually when i listened to it back I I think the song Heart of Asia is this is me to put my cultural uh, hat on there was featured in the um, Merry Christmas Mr Lawrence soundtrack the um, David Bowie film. Oh, does it end? Do 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 do. Yeah, there was a there was a, a trans version of it. Yeah, 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 but then it's year 2000. There was a trans version of everything. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> then number five was a banger. Uh, bound for Bound for the Reload by uh, Oxide and Oxide and Neutrino. Yeah, the uh, it sampled the Casualty theme, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So in in this time when I was out and about in Bristol quite a lot, I used to bump into the Casualty cast on a regular basis because it was filmed in Bristol. Right. So mainly we used to go. We used to go out on Thursday nights for some reason from work quite a lot, and they, they generally there's a there was a, a few karaoke bars in Bristol, and you normally see it'd be quite frequently see Charlie Fairhead up there, um, giving it the big guns, and uh, yeah, <laughs> brilliant. I love that. Um, what was his song of choice? Do you know? I, I think he, I think he, I think he had like, like in real life, I think he's a bit of an indie man. The guy who plays okay. Charlie yeah, Fairhead I, probably would have I been. Sort of Oasisy, Stonesy, that sort of thing. He wouldn't have been any, you know, throwaway shit. Charlie Farrell. No. 
No, of course not. You know, he's a he looks like the sort of a man that's a great digger. So yeah, yeah. He was in that. what was he in? He was in he was in a few like proper films in there. I think he was in The Longer Friday. The guy who played oh right okay Charlie Fair Fairhead. Enough. He was in some serious films before he became okay. Charlie Fairhead. And obviously, he wasn't in any anything else. No. Casually. Well, that's it. I mean, once once you're a hit with the BBC, you probably don't really need to do anything else. Or nor could you really even on a on yeah. a show like that because you're probably recording all week, aren't you? Uh, and he was obviously living the life out in Bristol the weekend, so he can carry oh, on. Right. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. You would, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course, yeah. Number uh, four is Coochie by uh, Armand van Helden. Yes, uh, I do remember that quite well. Uh, yeah. I I used to, well, this was probably at the height of uh, of my make or break. Uh, I'm either going to be a DJ or I'm not phase. And yeah, I, I went through a, a period of dropping a bit of everything. So this would probably usually be in my... Uh, my fidget house uh, section um yeah. and i believe it sampled cars by gary newman oh did it yeah so uh i'd always find a way to work in the original um either before or after it as like it's a good cheeky little bootleggy thing what was his other he has a couple of big hits isn't he it was um yeah uh well cars obviously um oh, sorry yeah. you're talking about Armand van Halen. Oh, yeah, of course <laughs> not no because why why would you not know the songs of gary newman oh yeah I mean, um, come on. he he had a number one with you don't know me yeah um he was and that, popularized my, my, my. a lot for Ooh, that was, sorry, was that Armand van Halen? Yeah, yeah yeah it was um he was uh quite remembered over here for helping to um popularized speed garage so okay. he did the uh the remix of spin spin sugar by sneaker pimps oh yeah yeah he said um, yeah like i'm saying yes like i knew that yes of course yes <laughs> oh, no, and no i sure i think i did know that because i had i had that single if i think it might have been on the it might have been when the b-sides on the cd single was the i remember helden remix yeah and um but well quite famously for me because this song randomly pops into my head every uh every six months or so um He's one of the guys behind the track Barbara Streisand by Duck Sauce. Oh, is he? Okay. That samples um, that Bernie M song that I can't remember. Okay. I've heard a song about that Barbara Streisand song. I can't think what Bernie yeah. M song it. it. Everybody at home is shouting out right now. Well, the whole bit that goes, ooh, yeah. it's off a Bernie M song. Okay, right. But I just can't remember what it's called. But again, last week I was trying to, I was imploring people to get in contact with the show. So if you if you know what um Birdie M track was sampled on Barbara Streisand, I mean I, I'm sure everybody home shouting out now. I mean we could Absolutely. just look at I can I can hear Danny now, you know, through yeah. through the walls, and he lives the other half of uh, of England. But never mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, number three is one for the ladies. It's a uh, sex bomb by uh, by Tom Jones. By Tom Jones. Pocket rocket. <laughs> Ah, oh, so how old was Tom Jones in 2000? When was that old, was he? Tom Jones, Tom Jones. Yeah, there's that weird kind of comeback, didn't he? In the 90s with, um, he did some with a stereophonic. He released an album, didn't he, in the 90s, which was, like, quite big. Um, with Kiss. the cover of No, Kiss was the, Kiss was 80s, wasn't it? That's when he was properly sexy. Oh, Tom yes. Out, out of noise, wasn't it? The um, oh, oh, what was it? Baby, it's cold outside with Kerry Matthews. So yes, that was that was I think that was a bit late. So we had the yeah, Iron Man, and there was like the song with the um uh, Bernard and the house um with the cardigan. Oh um yeah, it was a talk about that album was and it was with that young lady from the Cardigans. Yeah, oh, I can't remember her name anyway. Um, yeah, I've, I've yeah. looked up on that song in the meantime, okay. 
Uh, it was Gotta Go Home by Bernie M. Okay. Yeah. But everybody, everybody, everybody knew that. Of course. Um, Add it to the playlist, it'll be re. Reload, it was called. That Tom Jones album in 1999. Yeah, because it was a, yeah, a number of, like, remixes and covers, wasn't it? This was from that. So, Brendan and the House, Baby It's Cold Outside, Mama Told Me Not To Come with the Seraphonics. Oh. Uh, um, God. But Tom Jones in, 90, in 2000 was... 60. Oh, well, I wasn't that far off, was I? No, it's 82 now, obviously. That's how time works. But Yeah, yeah. it does. <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm that. Um, number two, Oops, I Did It Again by Britney Spears. One of her better songs, obviously. This was it's a different time, people dressing up as schoolgirls and stuff. It, again, it's very much 2000. Um, yeah. Um, but that was everywhere, wasn't it? It was massive when it came it out. It was. Yeah, yeah. Um Definitely. And number one, Don't Call Me Baby by Madison Avenue. Oh, no, that's a track and a half. It was yeah. um, re-released for Record Store Day this year, actually. Was it? It was. Well, um, I'll take your word for that. Yeah, you'd have to. <laughs> so what do you think? That, as a, as a, uh, there's, not, there's not bad songs in there, was there? It was no, not really. I mean, it's, it's very much of its time. Uh, and a lot of the songs probably haven't aged very well. But, um, yeah, um, you've... You've had worse charts on, I think. Yeah, definitely, not, definitely. Not much worse, but you've had worse charts. Not much worse, no, no. We definitely have worse. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm scrabbling around now to find a bit of paper, which uh, will signal the music, which you'll hear in the background now when you listen to this on the proper show, uh, which <laughs> which will give away the game we're going to play. Um, but after the roaring success of uh, real band name, fake band name, that's with the side power. Uh, I, I also I decided to get rid of the YouTube comments section because it was doing my head in. Um, I hastily cobbled together this game about five minutes ago for uh, for Chris. So uh, as the music will let you know, it, it does have something to do with Prisoner Cell Block H. <laughs> okay. So this game show I know nothing about. is called um, Wrestler or Cell Block H Actor. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some names and I want you to tell me whether they are the the real name of a wrestler or the real name of a actor who acted in Prisoner of Block H. Okay. Bring it on, baby. Bring it on. Right. So we'll start off with Gary Gordon. Is that a wrestler's name or a Prisoner of Block H actor's name? There's just enough alliteration for it to be an Australian actor, but also there's probably some obscure Memphis worker that has the same name. I'm going to go with my gut instinct and say Prisoner Cell Block H actor. Oh, I'm afraid you're wrong, Chris. That is Angela Dawkins. Angela Dawkins is real name. You're joking. <laughs> no, no. So he, he went with, well, I suppose he didn't go with Angelo Dawkins, of course. It was given to him. Well, yeah. his name's Gary Gordon. That's an awesome wrestler name. Gregarious Gary Gordon. I can see him now. Big silver dressing gown and everything. Yeah. Be it. Um, and number two, uh, Wendy Playfair. Wendy Playfair, Women's Prison. Prisoner Cell Block H actor. Correct. Yeah, it does sound like a wrestler though, doesn't it? Wendy it does, to be fair, yeah. She played Minnie, Minnie Donovan in uh, Prisoner Cell Block H. Good for her. Um, good for her. Um, Kimberly Benson. Kimberly Benson, good at these games. Um, <laughs> what the heck? Prisoner Cell Block H actor. That is uh, Piper Nivens, normally. Oh, well, there you go. I like this game. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> um, we just do this for two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's. <laughs> um, Jonathan Curtis. Jonathan Curtis. Oh, oh. 
uh, wrestler. Yeah. Which wrestler? Oh, I don't know. Johnny Curtis. Oh, all right then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I, I thought that was too uh, too too, too simple then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, James Condon. James Condon, mm-hmm. aka Rockstar Spud. Is that his real name? Yeah. I've got that down as a prisoner of Silver Age. Have you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a trick question. I think I've got it wrong anyway. Um, Have I you? Think, okay. I think I think Rockstar Spud was James Curtin. I think. Oh, let's let's, uh, let's have a look. Let's find out because. The last one is a trick question as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've got to away now. Uh, James Michael Curtin. Oh, so. There you go. Almost. Oh, well, anyway, never okay. mind. Well, the next one is uh, James Curtin. No, no, next one, is, uh, <laughs> next one is Brian James. Now, again, that could be a trick question, but I'm going to go with the Brian James that I know yeah. and say wrestling. It is a trick question because it's a wrestler and a prison cell like H actor. So. There you go, you see. So. Well, I think that game was a success, to be honest. Yeah, I loved it. You should you should do it with everybody. You probably could. Yeah, yeah. There you are. Yeah. To um, be fair, my choice of video wasn't great, to be fair. So. Was it not? Was it not? No, it was oh. um, the choppy choppy your pee and every video I found had the comments disabled, so it would have been yeah. no good. That's the thing. Some of these wrestling things, so like um, Sai suggested Vince Russo winning the WCW title. There isn't actually a YouTube video of him winning the WCW there's like reactions to stuff afterwards or people sure. talking about it but not yeah. of, uh, of that thing and you get something like mag suggested jericho's debut in wwf and there was about sixteen thousand comments yeah and and that's the thing and uh, all i can think of is with it being a a valvinus video now that he's a, a raging lunatic yeah um a lot of the comments might have been linked into that but possibly never possibly. mind I, I i much prefer your lovely game so <laughs> yeah keep it up that game might be back next week in, in one month <laughs> but we'll see we'll see so i mean we're at half an hour in so we have to start talking about wrestling yes yeah. we do it's a contractual obligation absolutely um, and we're heading off to ecw for 2000 for hardcore heaven from milwaukee wisconsin uh the rave they in the venue That's which right. uh it's a good little venue it is a good little venue. show yeah it's it's yeah. quite an iconic place to hold this event in the year 2000 as well because I actually went to a warehouse rave called Hardcore okay. Heaven in yeah. the year 2000 at Doncaster Warehouse. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had my whistles and my nightsticks and all that good stuff. It was great. Oh, well, I can remember when, um, so early 90s, when there were a lot of, you know, raves going on around the country, especially down our way. Mm. I never actually got invited to any of those, but um, it sounded like a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Bristol especially, like massive drum and bass scene. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, would have been good. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's with, <laughs> the, the size of my head, if I'm around people who've taken hallucinogenic drugs, it can get very ugly, to be honest. Oh, certainly. I mean, you know, we we are both the type of people where you, you could you could screen a movie on our mm. scalps, couldn't you? So, uh, yeah. so yeah, yeah, imagine what would go on, but hey. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I uh, I actually, people who haven't got the network, this show is available on Daily Motion, which is where I watched it. Because I watched a few ECW shows before and the curse of the network, and uh, well, especially yeah. ECW, where they used unlicensed music all the time and just thought, oh, fuck it. It was just a bit like, bit like this show, actually. <laughs> yeah, but it's, yeah. it's so a lot more noticeable right. on a show like this because the crowd is absolutely incredible. Apart from when the wrestlers actually come out because of oh, the yeah. network dubs, it it kind of sullies all that, doesn't it? So it gives yeah. this really weird 
dynamic. Um, and and yeah, that's the thing. It's like you associate a lot of these guys with their actual themes, so it makes it all the more noticeable when you know um, New Jack, for example, who is out for ten bloody minutes later yeah. on, uh, to one of the most annoying things I think I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't. I, yeah, I, I think I watched the first couple of matches on on the network initially and then when i found this on daily motion i was like yeah i so i started doing kind of both so i watched like the beginning of the match with the intros on daily motion and then go back to the network and i got fed up with that because i thought actually they might have cut some of the language out on the network but um but he didn't know no they didn't no they don't <laughs> that's one very noticeable thing about them being on pay-per-view we get live actual swearing and quite yeah. a lot of it so yeah yeah um but yeah so we're starting I, I, i've always enjoyed that the ecw intro music Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, you you definitely know you know something good's gonna come um, with that music and you know the the highlights that they show of like you know key moments in their history and what have you. Yeah, it's uh, very iconic. And they kept that, didn't they? For the start of they keep. I know they used it in the um, one night stands, didn't they? But did they keep yeah. that for the start of the TV show as well? Um, came back. I, I think they used it for the first year or so, and then they went yeah. with a, a kind of a. A sludgier version of, of an old SmackDown theme. Yeah, um, I in remember. In 2007, that. but yeah, for the for the first year of um, WWE CW, um, they did use the the old theme. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we're joined with with uh, Joey Styles and Joe Gertner in the ring mm. to sort of introduce the show, um, and uh, it, it sort of sets a theme of things being slightly disorganised, which I think is ECW, isn't it? But like, yeah. <laughs> It, it was kind of a combination of the good and the bad, wasn't it? Because like one, one of the cool things about ECW shows is that, you know, Joey's in the middle of the ring and he, he breaks down what's going to happen. And occasionally there might be shenanigans. But uh, yeah. in instead, we just get a shot of them just casually walking over to their booth. Um <laughs> And yeah, it, it does kind of make them look a little bit bush league, to be honest. You know, they, they could have had a nice shot of the crowd instead. Um, yeah. But yeah, the cameras are following them like something's going to happen. And it doesn't. So it, it just looks very off. awkward. But they try and, they try and, don't they? they try and explain why they did that later on, in like storyline wise. But uh, yeah. yeah. But I, I was, I've, I've not seen much of uh, Jogger. I'd imagine you might get quite grated if you're watching this on a regular basis. But I find him quite amusing. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's he's one of the few things about like these types of wrestling characters that that for me hasn't got very old very quickly. Like I I can still find the guy extremely hilarious, and at this point, he'd been doing this act for at least three years. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think it's it's hilarious, and he's a, a very intelligent man as well. I, I think he's uh, written a book recently, um, okay. which um, is, by all accounts, a very good read. Yeah, um, obviously he's a quintessential quintessential stub muffin. Absolutely, he is. Yeah, absolutely. And they mentioned that it's Mother's Day as well, and then there's a sign in in the background is "Hi, Mum, you whore." Exactly. Oh yeah. god! You've you've got to love the ECW fans and their counterculture, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the first match, then, so we get get listen to this on Daily Motion. I'd never heard Balls Mahoney's theme before, oh, and wow, I didn't okay. realise when I heard. It, I thought I kind of recognise this song from somewhere, but to me, it sounded like Taz was singing it. <laughs> I looked up, and it wasn't. Taz. <laughs> yeah, it does a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, Balls Mahoney and uh, Big Balls yeah. by ACDC. 
Yeah, which is um, a yeah, very underrated song and fits really well. It plays into the whole crowd participation stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, probably the best thing about Balls Mahoney's act, but that's the Wait, case with a lot of wrestlers in ECW, isn't it? It's, you remember yeah. them for the theme music. It was pretty one note as act, wasn't it, really? It was, and uh, I mean, I know Joey makes a big deal about, you know, um, talking about the amateur credentials of, of this man, but... Yeah. That's not what he's here for, is it? It's like no, he's no. he he calls himself the hardcore chair swinging freak, doesn't he? Not the not the hardcore um, pretzel bending freak. Yeah. Well, when um obviously I first come across him watching the the reboot of ECW, and then when um we've done this show a few times, I remember doing an episode about with uh, Glenn Abbott maybe a couple of years ago about Smoky Mountain wrestling. And then I came across him there, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's Balls and Balls Mahoney." Yeah, he'd he'd had quite the career, really. I mean, he was with um, the WWF for a while in the nineties as well as uh, um, the Evil Santa Claus. You know, a, a character that could only work for two weeks of the year. Yeah, <laughs> and he, he's a bit of a jobber as well. I think if he did uh, in the WWF, and yeah, he was he was lumbered with um, Ted DiBiase at the time, who was kind of the uh, the heel manager of uh, everybody that you knew was going to lose, really. So yeah, yeah. Um, and Balls has taken on his former tag team partner Masato Tanaka. Yeah, uh, again another name synonymous with the later years of ECW. And yeah, these two guys were former ECW tag team champions together. So uh, we're starting with a, a two men who respect each other match, which is. Is nice, really. Sometimes yeah. it's nice to just have a match for the sake of having a match. It's very impressive scars yeah. as well. Oh yeah, yeah. That is that is a guy who uh, you know he has he has very select places where he likes to be cut, and yeah. the healing process shows that. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And it and it's weird because he he's also a guy that hasn't aged either. Um, okay. He's well, he's either in his late forties or his early fifties right now, and. By all accounts, not only does he look the same age, but he's absolutely shredded these days as well. Like Tom Jones. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, before we get the match, though, we get interrupted by, uh, well, up in the crowd, it's, um, it's Cyrus slash the Jackal slash Don Callis. Oh, yes. Cyrus the Virus, the, the yeah. leader of the dreaded network. Yeah, yeah. I get a great thing about wrestling is when they play into real life stuff into wrestling storyline so from what i was reading there was like a lot of kickback or whatever from the network that they were on in regards yes, was, to yeah. the content of the show so what do you do well you make a make a character who's somebody from the network who's an yeah. asshole basically i mean it's, it's very indicative of what paul Heyman would do in ecw no it like if if things weren't going the company's way they would they would find a way to to highlight that so that they come out of it looking good and yeah um in this instance um it depends what way you look at it um yes it was a, a very poor deal for them um as a, a company that needed money to stay afloat and they're on a, a network where the only promotion they got was during the actual program itself but at the same time they took the deal so um but i mean you know that's that's just me being snarky but i thought it, it was very clever that they actually used their real frustrations with the fact that um, TNN had signed a deal to obviously broadcast WWF Raw on there. 
Um, and so they made this this heel stable um, rep- representing TNN, which was brilliant. And who better um, as an antagonistic mouthpiece for that than a, a genuinely unlikable character in real life as um, Don <laughs> yeah. Callis? Do you, do you uh, enjoy his, his work in, in AEW? Of course I don't. <laughs> he's... He's the the worst thing about Kenny Omega. He, um, you know, the 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 guy would go up two hundred percent in my estimation if he just binned him off. Yeah, he played it quite badly a few weeks ago on a a proper gusher. Um, yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, whether he bladed or whether it was a actual, I don't know. But if he bladed, he he didn't do it quite right. It's like his, his head basically burst open. But um, absolutely, yeah, it was a a sorry sight to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's up in the crowd, and obviously he represents the network. And he, the, the network aren't fans of Joel Gertner. I know he's a, a ratings killer, Gertner apparently. Apparently so. So um, yeah, he slags Gertner off and he says to Gertner, "What are you going to do about it?" He says, oh, "I know what I should do about it." <laughs> Which again <laughs> shocked me because I didn't expect actual proper um, uncensored swearing on a on a on a pay per view. But yeah, Gertner no. says uh, he should kick his fucking ass. <laughs> Exactly, and you know it, it is quite a quite a shock, really, when you consider there's there's a lot of these um, shows on the network where massive bits have been edited out of it that are nowhere near as bad as somebody actually swearing on quote yeah. unquote live TV. So yeah, it was quite a surprise that that stayed in, really. But I suppose it was for the purposes of the actual like kind of what happens next, because it it would have probably looked a little bit too messy if they had edited it out. Maybe who knows? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Big gets choked out by Cyrus's uh, mate. Is it Kanemura? Yeah, uh, Kintaro Kanemura. Yeah, um, FMW legend. So did they have some sort of promotion with FMW? Because that was where Tanaka was from as well, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, guys like Mike Awesome and um, Horace Hogan, weirdly, he had his start in there too. Uh, but, yeah, um, FMW were obviously kind of, well, I say they were the a Japanese equivalent of ECW. They were probably a little bit more um, hardcore than that in the sense, because obviously they um, helped to um, popularise these exploding ring matches that um, that you see and stuff. But whenever ECW did a tour of Japan, it was always in conjunction with FMW. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so he takes over from Gertner on commentary then. Sorry, so we're, we're stuck with Don Callis on commentary for the rest of the night. Uh, yeah. I mean, as as much as I dislike the man, um, he did always have a good dynamic with Joey Styles. To be fair, like it's it's a very blasphemous thing to say, and to my fellow ECW mega fans, I regret nothing. But I, I'm not a fan of the solo commentary thing. And as yeah. as good as Joey Styles was, there are huge amounts of time in ECW shows where he is literally just rambling. Uh, you know, he could he could be reading the newspaper and it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, this match is it's not just chairs, isn't it? It's pretty. I mean, it's it's a, I suppose it's a, a kind of a taste of what what's to come. Um, yeah, there's a a massive disconnect for me with this match in that there's a lot of it that's very good. And you can see what they're trying to do. They're trying to go for this combination of like hardcore brawling and Japanese strong style. But when your opening match has got as many kickouts as that, it's yeah. kind of 
what is there left to do for the rest of the yeah, show? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's kind yeah. of, you know, the old Dolph Ziggler top that sequence. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but with all due respect to the man, you shouldn't be trying to top Balls Mahoney. Everyone's no. better than that, you know. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's kind of an issue when we get to the main event as well, I think. The, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, there was lots of near-form kicks out of finishers and that sort of thing, and um, lots of unprotected chair shots. Um, pretty savage. And Balls yeah. has got his own custom-made chair, hasn't he? Like his super oh, yeah. chair. And yeah. that was his thing. It, it was always tied into whatever show was, was on as well. So, uh, But, yeah, it's the... The whole chair shots thing, it's um, something that I would have loved um, when I was 20 and watching these shows on video. But knowing what we know now about, obviously, CTE and like post-Benoit and all that sort of thing, it makes me shudder. Um, Especially the fact that ECW guys were actively encouraged to make these sort of things look real as well. Um, You know, when you kind of see what happened to a lot of... uh, ex ECW guys that have now died, including Balls Mahoney. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you look at stuff like this and you think, well, it hasn't contributed. sorry, it hasn't done anything but not contribute to it, has it? You know? No, no. It couldn't have helped. Uh, but the Tanaka wins, obviously at the end, after mm. nailing balls with his own super chair and then a nice big elbow. Uh, no. Which is which is weird. Um again, like you've you've thrown all of these moves at each other these very impressive damaging looking moves and your finishing maneuver is an elbow yeah uh, i mean i'm i'm sure it hurts you know it's one of the more like bones yeah. in your body but it just looks pony yeah um but it'll be getting a nice hug afterwards don't we so they're, oh, all still friends. they're all still friends yeah exactly. yeah right and so we get uh lance storm and dawn marie backstage then for a chat about just incredible and we'll get to the whole storyline which is incredible in Lance Storm at the end but a little bit of Scott and Kev chat and uh, a bit of inside 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 Uh, stuff Uh, very much yeah right then so this 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 next match this next match could take a while so okay okay so we've got um Simon Diamond now I was I I heard the name Simon Diamond but I didn't really know much else about him Simon Diamond but he's not he's not the he's not the issue here so he comes out and he's got an entourage with him so he's got uh ring announcer is it mitch yeah. is ring announcer um yes it is mitch yes i, I can't find any of these people they, they, they don't exist oh well 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 okay well um a, a scary lady and a scary man so that would be um prodigy and the prodigette okay cool and then there's a guy dressed as the musketeer as well called the musketeer Yes, and I was I was very very sad that um, you were not introduced to the superlativeness of one Dick Hertz. Okay, so never never member of his entourage, is it? Yeah, so so basically, he's he's kind of like who who can I compare him to? Imagine Max Muscle with blonde hair. Okay. Yeah. And you've got Dick Hertz, and basically these. These cavalcade of um, no marks and never going to be's were basically there to kind of ac- accentuate the fact that Simon Diamond doesn't think he's a comedy wrestler. Yeah. Um, and basically, you can you, you can imagine um, how the, the whole Dick Hurt stuff would go. Yeah. But it's basically a lot of the time uh, Simon Diamond's cutting these promos in the ring 
And he says, oh, you know, do you think I'm not a serious person? Do you not think I don't need protection? Well, look at my dick. Like a, <laughs> yeah. a very serious look on his face. Yeah. Um, and, of course, that just added to the whole perception of it. Uh, but, yeah, I was very disappointed that, you know, Mr. Hertz wasn't here, you know, looking all throbby and ready to explode at any moment. Yeah. There's a yeah, free well, one for you. Oh, thank you very much. I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to, I'll have to seek him out. Um, and then Mikey Whiffrek, next man out. Yes. And like evil, evil Mikey Whipwreck. Evil Mikey Whipwreck, yeah, the the original ECW folk hero, Mikey Whipwreck. And, uh, yeah, it was lovely to see him uh, as Maniac Mikey with uh, the Sinister Minister, of course. The Sinister Minister, yeah. Yeah. Now, when I first started watching TNA, he was he was a big part of the Sinister Minister when he was managing Abyss. And, um, oh, yeah, and the Disciples of the New Church and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was he was around. He was in WCW's only, but under a different yeah, name. Like. Yeah, part of um, it, it was uh, James Vandenberg of the uh, Blood Runs Cold. Yeah, yeah, with uh, Raph and Mortis and God, yeah. Mortis. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, and then we get some uh, entrance staying alive for Little Guido. Yes. Yeah, for uh, again uh, another well, not not a guilty pleasure, a legitimate pleasure of uh, the FBI who were just amazing. Uh, honestly, uh, not even in ECW, but in wrestling in general, one of my favourite factions of all time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's got the That's big. That's right. Yeah, they they really are. The big Salbowski. <laughs> yeah. The big Salbowski. Um Yeah, I, I, I often wonder what happened to him, actually, because uh, you don't really see him a lot anymore. No, hopefully his eyes are all right now, because, um, yeah. Uh, so, um, a big where's my pizza chant to start off with. Oh, yes. Yeah, that, yeah they, they definitely knew how to how to rile up the, well, I say the fake Italians. Um, Guido and Big Sal were probably the only two genuine Italians in the faction most of the time, but... But yeah, they, they they certainly knew how to uh, how to get a crowd going. Yeah, and the scary lady gets a uh, she's a crack whore chant. Yes, again another popular chant from uh, from the ECW virgins in the crowd. Yeah, very two thousands, very two thousands. Uh, oh yeah, very yeah. Doesn't doesn't age well at all, you know. Yeah, uh, if this match isn't chaotic enough, the, the fucking lights go out for the majority of the match. Yeah, yeah, that's it, and. Uh, that could be a, a staple of um, ECW. It's quite unfortunate that it happened because sometimes the lights go out mean a surprise debut, whereas in this instance they just have to put 50p in the meter. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just made words because, again, there's about 20 people at ringside as well. Exactly. So, yeah. 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 So, Although, to be on. fair, like with all those people around there, um, it, it, it kind of plays into. Um, well, it's it's something that's not one of my favourite things in wrestling, and it's it's when people in multi-man matches do a dive to the outside, and it's yeah. all telegraphed to the point that people are stood there waiting. Whereas here, that's totally what they were doing, but yeah. it actually looked like it was flying by the seat of your pants because there was so much going on there that you would fail to notice that it was still being set up just right for somebody to get caught but there was so much going on that it just looked completely natural. Yeah. Big Sal would go around squashing people. He literally squashed the musketeer, I think. I think he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, he was he was literally a piece of paper after this. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I, just, I didn't realise it was an elimination match, but um, Simon Diamond gets eliminated. Uh, yeah, he does, um, un- unfortunately. But uh, yeah, with a, a Stone Cold Stunner, sorry, Whippersnapper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to take him out. And then um, Big Sal gets... Uh, what happened to his, his bad eye? Because he, he, had, he had his eye patched up, didn't he, before the match started? Oh, right, OK. Um, I, c- I can only assume it was a an injury from some previous match or other or something like that. Yeah, but he gets a fireball to his to his other eye. <laughs> so it's both his right, eyes OK. <laughs> it's both eyes yeah. are dead. Um, yeah. And then Guido, uh, Guido picks up the win. Yeah, yeah with the... Uh, well... They called it the Maritato, which I thought was weird because that's the guy's surname. They, they could have come up with a better name than that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, they celebrate and the lights are still off, so we're still in the dark. But back a look with the spotlight yeah. kind of, uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, just incredible then backstage with um, Francine. Yeah, doing his, doing his best um, Triple H top guy act to convince absolutely nobody. Yeah, it seems a bit strange. But we'll get to that when we get to the main event. Yeah, we will. I've, I've got no. a lot, quite a lot to say about uh, putting the belt on. Just incredible. But we will get to that in due time. I think he follows me on Twitter. Just incredible, I think. But we don't interact wow. much, to be honest. Yeah. No, no. But yeah, I, I think when he first went on Twitter, he did go through a spate of uh, anybody that replied to him. He, he followed them. Because, yeah, I think he followed me at some point as well. But then, yeah. there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, I'm a I'm a fan of the guy. I'm, there's just something I'm not particularly a fan of, but we shall get to. That. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, we did get a, a plug then for the next pay per view, which is Heatwave 2000. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then something else now, which I was completely unaware of. It's uh, Louis Dangerously and the new Dangerous yes, Alliance. Exactly. Um, so Louis Dangerously uh, was also known as sign guy dudley and he was quite literally if you watch any ecw shows before 1996 at least um i mean this in the nicest possible way because it's the only way to describe him but there's this fat bloke right in the middle of the front row with glasses on yeah and he's got these very insider signs that have blatantly been given to him um, and the camera always cuts to him and he's pointing to these signs. And they then made him a character of Sign Guy Dudley and he communicated through the signs because he couldn't speak. Okay. And then I think what happens is, um, I think he gets into an angle with Paulie Dangerously and gets a beating. And does he hang his head or something? Anyway, for whatever reason, he can now speak. Yeah. And he thinks he's Paulie Dangerously. Okay. I think that's it, but I, yeah. I could be wrong. Uh, but anyway, yes, we we get this new Dangerous Alliance. Yeah, um, not quite as good as the the original Dangerous Alliance. Um, so well, certainly not. We've got Electra, uh, C W Anderson, the fattest of the Andersons. It's the only good thing about the faction, in my opinion. Yeah. Is uh, yeah. C W Anderson, love the guy. And Billy Wild, whoever Billy Wild is. So, uh, I I believe um, old Billy Wiles himself, um, I think he might have been uh, Disgraceland, the Elvis impersonator guy in the early days of TNA. Okay. I think. <laughs> I, I could be wrong. Um, but, yeah, I think so. Uh, so, uh, Louis Dangerously talks about how great Electra is and how tough she is and he challenges anyone to come out and kick her ass, which, you know, you know what's going to yeah. happen. 
Um, but Jazz comes out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's not wearing yeah. much underneath her. <laughs> You've either much. got an opinion on Jazz or you don't. But they often yeah. used her to beat up anybody um, in lieu of actually giving her a match. But she was always a, a cool little highlight on these shows. Yeah. And Electra's wearing a Mike Awesome t-shirt, which I thought was quite good to get, to get a bit of extra heat. Um, exactly. Yeah. And she's not wearing much else underneath that. Michael Awesome t-shirt, very little else. Indeed, um, uh, yeah, she was must have been the in, inspiration for uh, for Borat, maybe, who knows? Yeah, possibly, yeah, yeah. So she starts beating up uh, Electra, and then she gets quite... <laughs> C.W. Anderson basically kicks her head in, doesn't he, really? Basically, yeah, I mean, that, that spine buster had some stink on it, didn't oh, it, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, until Kid Cash comes out for the save and then the match starts yeah yeah and again uh, another staple of ecw the the angle that ends up becoming a match uh which was a, yeah. a vibe that was always strong on shows like this yeah i noticed that during the course of the pay-per-view um so electra she was a uh, she was in the sopranos she played um, oh was she really i think very briefly she played like a dancer in the in the in the club which tony soprano ran so oh, i literally right. been in okay. it for 20 seconds she didn't, she wasn't like she was the, right. she was the major character in the soprano she was just in the soprano no, uh, at some point. no and of course rather famously she lost her job with wcw um on account of being in some uh some mucky movies apparently really well i mean the ecw website is pretty much showing her naked as we see during the course of the show basically yeah 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 so, that was that was very odd that they'd they'd cut to commentary talking about the event and yet what you actually see on the camera is them scrolling down looking at pictures of their co-workers basically yeah yeah <laughs> um but kick cash wins and he ruins things by his, his music is uh kid rock so yes yeah um what what did you think to uh kid cash in general then andy well, I think Kid Cash in he wrestled in he was in TNA, wasn't he, for a bit? He was, and in yeah. um, he was on SmackDown for a while as well, wasn't he, for a brief period. He was. He was. He was one of the uh, people that got his turn with the cruiserweight belt for about six weeks. Yeah, yeah. Like but I they more, all seems to. I was more impressed with again. I'd not really seen much CW Anderson, so he sort of caught my yeah. eye more. Yeah, and he he was very underrated as a wrestler to be perfectly honest i mean you know he was he was never going to be like you know the second coming of taz or anything like that but yeah i always thought he would have been somebody that was a a solid lower card wrestler for a bigger company you know like not not necessarily somebody that you had under contract but somebody that you brought in you know to kind of you know he could make the great carly look good in a squash match or something like that if they're ever in his area you know things like that but he looked i mean i don't know how old he was here but I suppose that all plays into the part of being a Anderson. The fact that he was probably about 25 yeah. looks in his mid-50s. So. <laughs> Most probably, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, think, I, think when, um, I think when ECW relaunched under the WWE, I think he might have been in his late 30s. Okay, wow. So, yeah, I mean, he probably didn't have the, the look Vince was, uh, Vince was going for by that point. Um, no, although... I, th- I think he was um, signed to ECW for a year, but um, they took him off TV after about three weeks, I think. Yeah, I seem to remember him being on one of those early ECW TV shows or featured yeah. at some point on ECW. 
Um, yeah, it, it was always one of the faces in the crowd rather than somebody that would actually have a match on the show, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, around this time, um, I often likened Kid Cash to, um, you know, if Evan Courageous was good, basically, yeah. that's that's what Kid <laughs> Cash would be. <laughs> well, he was in... He was in TNA for quite a long time, and he could cash. I can remember him teaming yeah, he up. Was. With um, yeah, he teamed with um, oh, someone screaming this out as well. Lance Hoyt, the old okay. Murder Hawk monster in AEW. Yeah, yeah um, when his his first incarnation was a character called Dallas uh, okay. in in TNA, and yeah, that that's when they teamed together. And Kid Cash had quite a cool feud with. AJ Styles, I think, over the exhibition title in the other yeah. days. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but he was he was a good bloke, and um, again, um, another wrestler that's added to the list of uh, wrestlers that I've actually had a beer with after a show. Okay. Uh, I I was quite pally with Steve Linsky back in the day. Don't judge me. And he would do a okay. lot of refereeing for like um, the FWA and One PW. Um, so yeah, I think after a, an FWA show in Bridlington, they were having a beer. Um, in a hotel bar and he called me over and yeah i got to meet kid cash and he is um well <laughs> he was nice enough to me but he's someone that i would be scared to be around if he'd had anything else to drink because <laughs> he, he has a temper does he what did, he uh, does and he doesn't mind telling people what he thinks about them what did steve linsky do oh nothing i mean they were <laughs> they were great mates but yeah but no 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 they were uh, so so basically whenever kid cash came over to the UK, like yeah. Steve Linsky would handle his travel and okay. hang around with him, kind of like the Arnold Scoland to his Andre the Giant. But but basically, um, Steve was one of the only people that could really handle him, as in okay. put up with him, basically. Yeah. Um, but no, um, Cash was always cool to, to fans and stuff. It was just, if he happened to see a, a fellow co-worker that he had a problem with, he would just come out with it in yeah. front of anybody so amazing yeah. amazing yeah um, exactly yeah it sounds like a fun night out i i made my excuses while i could basically. <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> but going's good exactly um yeah so fonzie and rvd backstage um and they did yeah. do this very and they got their mate they do got their mate with them yeah <laughs> yeah Scotty Riggs. Scotty Riggs. Now, I didn't realise. When it said Scotty, yeah. and it did his, like, his real name, didn't they? It didn't say Scotty Riggs. Scotty. It did. Um, yeah. Scotty Anton, yeah. I was like, I recognise him somewhere, but I don't know where from. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, if it, if he'd picked the show after this, he would have been even more unrecognisable because he basically becomes a Scott Steiner tribute act. Like, okay. He dyes his hair blonde and everything. And, right. and weirdly starts putting his face on his crotch. Okay, okay. Uh, as well, in a printed face, you know. Right. He, he wasn't like Prince. No, no. I mean, I suppose you've got to do something to make him interesting. Yeah, but it didn't work. No, I was going to say, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they get, uh, so they, they go back to Joey Styles and they kind of address the, the confusion, the confused look that him and Joel Gertner had in the ring at the beginning. It was because right. they saw Tommy Dreamer covered in blood stumbling into the arena. Um, which put them off and made them uh, made them look uh, slightly confused, and they assumed that it was caused by just incredible. Um, but that's right. The, the, the triple threat is still on for tonight. Now, at, until this point, 
I wasn't actually aware it was a triple threat. I don't think they mentioned the card at all. No, they, no, no, they no. they'd actually don't make a big deal about it, do they? To be fair, no. I mean, they, they don't mention it once um, prior to this. And it, it's probably just as well because this show would have essentially had three triple threats on it if that was the case. Yeah, yeah. And obviously I'd seen the sort of rundown of the card. But and, and there was no mention of Tommy Dreamer on that. So when they were like, oh, the match is still a triple threat, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, right. More uh, insanity now. So uh, yeah. the Baldies, Big Vito yeah. and Angel. <laughs> which we That's spoke right. about um, when me and Rob did Spring Stampede 2000, which obviously was only a few weeks prior to this um, with Mike yeah. Autumn on. And we spoke about um, Johnny the Bull was on that. And it was how these guys yeah. were all part of um, we spoke a bit about uh big veto on that episode um but yeah him in angel okay so um so so this is this is actually the veto not, yeah. not big veto yeah yeah, yeah 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 so so there was there was veto and yeah. de veto and they okay. were both in the baldies right so so this is actually a different bloke oh it's a different bloke it is, yeah. So, so this point. guy, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy ended up being well. He he plays one of the characters in the WWE version of ECW that the Sandman Canes is is the the vicar in the crowd that says how bad the show is. But but this bloke would actually go on to um, wrestle for Ring of Honor as the tag team, the Carnage Crew. Okay. But basically, he was so yeah. So both Vito and De Vito were in yeah. De Baldi's together at the same time, which uh, which yeah does doesn't help with the uh, no, 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 no. T- telling people apart thing. And I don't, Angel is another somebody else, another wrestler. Yeah, I've I've never heard of him before or since. To be fair, um, <laughs> a, apart from this group. And um, it, it wouldn't have been here because he would have gone by now. But uh, PN News was a member of this faction at one point as Wasn't well. He? Fantastic. It was. Christ. Yeah. Two, in the reign of 2000, PN News still in, going. In, in the year 2000, yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, I think I think he was one of the original members. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. How nice. <laughs> yeah. What, what was he doing in the, in the preceding sort of six, seven years after... Um, he went back to Germany, I think. Right. So he he wasn't German, but uh, much like JBL, who was one of his former tag team partners, uh, he uh, wrestled in Germany for Otto Vonzi's okay, yeah. uh, promotion. Um, so and they take it on um, Chris Chetty and Nova. Yes, love a bit of Nova. Yeah, yeah, Simon Dean action. Indeed. Like Scottish yeah. Danny now, uh, yeah. <laughs> his ears will be burning. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, yeah. I can, yeah, I can, I can feel his ears pricking up now. Yeah, yeah. Here comes Simon Dean <laughs> doing his best um, Spider-Man cosplay. Uh, and they come out to Intergalactic by the. Uh, yes, they do. Yeah, I. Yeah, that that was one of the things that I was. Uh, so with these network dubs, they they find the closest thing that they can. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I I. I, I I'm that much of a mark that I actually had to dig out Hello Nasty yeah. and um, and put it on um, just to get the same feeling. Yeah. And uh, they're taking on Danny Doring and, and Roadkill. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I've I'm, never seen... I'm not a fan. You know, I've never seen Roadkill wrestle before. No. So um, these these guys were something of a... Well, they, they, they ended up becoming a, a cult hero team for ECW, but 
I'll be honest, they never did anything for me. So, um, you know, a, a bloke playing a, an Amish character who just says the word chicken and a bloke who thinks he's a gigolo when he's about four foot eleven and pushy as anything. Uh, yeah, they, they didn't do anything for me, to be fair. Was that what he said, chicken? Yeah, that was yeah, literally okay, one, of, right. one of the words that he that he said a lot, you know, because um, the Amish are, are backwards and, okay. you know, can't possibly. But, uh, but then, of course, he would go on to be signed by WWE and would play a Polish stereotype. So, I was going to say, yeah, he had a you know, yeah. from, yeah. He did. I mean, he, he, he didn't make it to the main roster, but um, he was in a, a kind of um, Polish-American faction with, uh, let's see, there was him. Beth Phoenix, uh, Chet Jablonski, and uh, Colt Cabana in um, FCW, I think. Right, okay. I know. I told you I was a massive nerd around this time, didn't I? Um, I I was the guy at work that was looking at the FCW and OVW websites to find out how people were doing. That's that's how bad my fandom was as a kid. All I've got written down is that he, uh, in in his run, is uh, Anton Palowski. He had a match on Heat and he beat Val Venus, so... Right. Okay. Well, um, there you are. <laughs> I definitely covered that match on the show before, but <laughs> I'll go back and check. But um, I don't yeah. think WWE were aware it exists, to be frank. No, probably not, no. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is pretty much insanity. Vic Grimes turns up. He does, yeah. I need a name, but I yeah. didn't know what Vic, or who or what Vic Grimes was, but um, sounds like a rapper's name. So... So Vic Vic Grimes was one of the last remnants of the guys borrowed from the WWF. Okay. So he would have been, um, you know, when uh, Darren Drozdoff uh, had finished the Legion of Doom storyline and then he yeah. bought some furry top hats and started doing his own thing. Yeah. So there was Albert, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So there was Albert, obviously, and then there was this um, this big dude in dressed com- completely in white called key who was uh, apparently drozzy's drug dealer um okay. he lasted all of two weeks and then they gave him to paulie Herman and they repackaged right. him as vic grimes cool that nerd tendencies is showing through <laughs> yeah yeah they are but but also um i have had to look into him recently because he does also make an appearance in wrestling society x Okay, oh, okay, well, I'll let you off then. That's cheating, technically, but... Um, but I did also know all that stuff when I was 19, so I am fine. part of the problem. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah, he turns up, and then... Uh, so, I think Roadkill and Doreen get eliminated, but then Roadkill sort of splashes Vic Grimes through a table outside. Um, he's pretty big. I mean, he can move for a big guy, Roadkill. Yeah, he can, and, I mean, he, you know, he was very impressive it was just for whatever reason he just didn't do anything for me to be fair i, I don't know I was, I was i was very hard to impress back in yeah yeah they get a rough time the amish don't they i, mean, I don't know i don't know much about the amish, oh they do they do apart from you know, i mean i, I mean they could they could make you a, a lovely shed or barn but you know yeah i can think of witness and um kingpin two films with the amish are, uh, are featured quite heavily yeah um, and of course, there's uh, Dwight Dwight Schrute in the American Office. Yeah, and The Simpsons. Uh, <laughs> a few references to the Amish in The Simpsons, aren't there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a fine baron, but she's no cool English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, 
uh, I don't know. Again, the, the, I don't know any Amish people, so. Um, but there might be some listening, so. Well, we weren't, will we? Well, we won't. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, but, and they're not going to no. move abroad, are they? They're not going to move over here, are they? But. Uh, no, that's no. it. I mean, no. yeah, they'd have to swim, wouldn't they? Yeah, but hey, anyone, any 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 Amish people listening, good evening. And uh, yes, yeah. um, do do enjoy your um, electricity and podcasts and modern technology. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, we might get some reformed Amish. Reformed Amish? I think I'll edit this bit out. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, to be fair, you know, if you can be popular in New Zealand, um, you know, yeah. maybe maybe the Amish is the next uh, audience yeah. to tap, you know. Yeah, I think that might be more offensive than you just compared New Zealand to the Amish. <laughs> and we'll keep that in, definitely. I think it might. Yeah. I think it might, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, Nova and Chetty win this match. Uh, yeah, and then we think, oh, that's um, that's that's it, Bron. But the the bold is an attack until uh, Jack comes out. Um, yeah, and and then this, we get to put segment, up with that for ten minutes, don't we? That was on quite a long time, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I would say too long. To possibly, be very possibly. Yeah, yeah. But again, yeah, like quite a few of these ECW guys, the entrance really is the um, is maybe the best bit possibly because the whole thing yeah. around him and um. But he gets uh, Vito up, uh, stabs him with a fork, staple gun, I think. Um, they go yeah. through the crowd. Jumps off a balcony. Yeah. It's just standard New Jack stuff, isn't it? It is, to be honest. Uh, yeah, he would he would do this pretty much every show at this point um, in lieu of actually having a match. So, yeah. again, um, I get that he's a cult hero to some people, but he does nothing for me. And... You know, while he wasn't scared to talk about his past and everything, I just think it makes him even more of a... Well, no, I'm not going to say it anyway, because it's not fair to the dead. Okay. okay. Yeah, the less said about him, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. We, um... We did we get them to just get randomly some replays of the show, what's got on the show, and then they, yeah. they head uh, on to the next match, which is uh, Steve Carino with Jack Victory. Yes. And, um... Yeah, uh... He's taken on to Jerry. He is um, massive fan of both guys. Um, yeah. I, in 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 my opinion, um, I think this is the match that convinced uh, Paul Heyman to give Carino a run with the belt because he very much showed himself as somebody that um, was an excellent servant to the company, and he makes to Jerry look like an absolute killer. Here, I mm. think it was a, you know, it's it's essentially a. 10-minute squash match, but it's it's done in, in such a way that there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's it's a fantastic match completely, even though it's very one-sided. Yeah, yeah. So what was his... I, I heard the name Steve Carino a few times. I've never really seen much of his matches, but what was his, his gimmick? It was more of a kind of old-school technical wrestler and a bit of a... Yeah, so the, he, he basically started as a... Um, well, in ECW anyway, as a an anti-hardcore, I suppose, jobber type. In that, you know, he was he was often a a, a punchline for getting his comeuppance all the time. Um, and then he aligns himself with the right people, as it were, because he's part of the network storyline here. And then slowly builds himself up. You know, getting very op- opportunistic wins. Uh, con- continues with the whole. I'm better than everybody vibe, you know, that's his traditional wrestling acumen come through and, you know, ends up becoming uh, quite the fan favourite by the end of it. So, and again, um, 
an excellent wrestler. A little bit overindulgent sometimes. Uh, I was at the 40-minute debacle for one PW's first show, which was uh, just dreadful. But um, excellent wrestler, one of my favourites. And, uh, and yeah, this is just a, a showcase of how talented he was. And I'm, I'm very happy for his son as well, uh, who hopefully is going to be on the WWE television soon. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so, yeah, they play that storyline that uh, Tajiri used to be part of the, the network stable. And um, Karina sort of trying to convince him before the match to come back with a bit of a few insults and some some casual racism. Well, even not even casual racism, just just racism basically. But it's too fast. Just out and out racism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that doesn't work surprisingly. So, um, but yeah, so no. he, he bleeds quite early as well, Karina. And then Tajiri is like chewing on his head where the blood's coming from, which is um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and his tables and Jack Victory. Is there he's like, uh, Carino's second. Uh, he gets some green mist, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, and um, yeah. Again, I was I was quite the fan of of Jack Victory. Um, I, I, I think he finds his best role here in ECW, but he very much played that uh, kind of classic henchman role very well for a lot of companies. But but yeah, um, I'm I'm not quite sure when the Tajiri character changed in ECW, but he started as kind of very much that traditional. Japanese wrestler like trunks and kimono and all that stuff and then suddenly he makes this major change to his character and kind of comes out like a modern day great muta but uh, yeah. yeah it was it was very cool and obviously it didn't do him any harm because uh, you know look at how well he did in the states yeah yeah uh like you said it is almost a squash um Carino yeah. a, again it's a pretty savage if it was a blade job, it was a pretty savage blade job. If it was real, then there's a lot of blood. Oh, yeah. A lot, a lot of blood. Um, yes. And Tajiri gets the uh, like stomp off the top rope through the table, and Karina wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karina's dead basically. And then uh, Kanemura comes yeah. out and attacks Tajiri with Jack Victory. And then wow. Yeah. I was surprised uh, who came out for the save. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Dusty Rhodes. Um, Dusty Rhodes in two phases. Exactly. Wasn't what I was expecting. No, well, uh, um, again, he he came over um, purely to make Steve Carino. They end up having a incredible feud um, in the latter days of ECW, um, just just before he gets the title. So so yeah, um, Dusty Rhodes was brilliant here. Um, his ECW runs quite underrated, but yeah, to be fair, it does kind of come out of nowhere. Like of all people that would be coming out to save the day. Yeah. <laughs> but there you go. Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. But he gets beaten up yeah. by Rhino, who turns up a few seconds later. And then, like, yeah. for for me, having... Obviously, I've seen lots of Sandman matches. But I'd never actually seen... Mm. I don't know if I'd ever seen a, an ECW match with the proper Sandman entrance. Right. So okay. when Rhino's there, they shoot out of uh, Tajiri, and then Enter Sandman comes on. And obviously, the crowd goes nuts, and he's up in the... Up in the balcony with a can and a fag in there. And it, it takes him the entire song to make his entrance. He goes around, goes around a few yeah. times. But like, the atmosphere in there was absolutely nuts. It was amazing it to was, see. But I'd never seen that before. But, you know, I'd heard all the, you know, the, the big thing about the Sandman. I've seen some of the matches before. And, sure. But having seen it with the full music and the full intro, it was like, I can see now what the yeah what the thing was. 
Yeah, but he's he's not really the sort of guy that you want saving you from a beatdown, is there? If if it takes him six, six minutes to no. come down to the ring. <laughs> no, no. And he probably smashed about four cans into his head on the way down to the ring and smoked two cigarettes. Totally. Uh, yeah. And probably had but, another 12 in, in the back quite yeah. famously before he came out. So. Yeah. But there is an amazing shot when he's like Rhino sort of sort of goading him down from the from from the ropes and he's up in the balcony above him looking down. It's like, yeah, that was, oh, that was yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's it, it, it's one of the uh, long-standing images in ECW is, is kind of that of uh, Sandman surveying his prayer. And yeah, it's a very iconic image. And yeah, it's it's one of the things that you associate with ECW um, regardless of the actual matches that he has. I was say, uh, yeah. the, it's yeah. everything else around it. The package oh, yeah. is very iconic. Yeah. And then the, then the bell. But yeah, <laughs> the bell this rang. match wasn't good. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, very, yes. very notable for the, for the big spot in it, but oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's what, it's what you expect from EC. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's just for, for all of the good that you get from EC, you've got to put up with the bad sometimes. Hmm. Yeah, and the match is kind of just a, a three or four different spots over the, over the course yeah. of five minutes. Um, but that, that leg drop he does off the apron through the fucking. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's got long legs, Sam man. Um, lots of chairs. Brian oh, yeah. goes for a table after going for a spear. Pile driver on the table in the ring, um, and then Mister Sandman comes out to help, which was probably a bad idea on reflection. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Pretty much, yeah. given what. Given what happens to the poor thing, you know, getting getting gored through a table. Well, I mean, right now, gores them both at, at the same time, doesn't he, through that table? So yeah. Um, but it it certainly made for a for a highlight for future opening packages, I imagine. Yeah, well, he, he obviously power drives it for a table outside, and then gets her in the ring and looks yeah. at Gora, but Sama makes a save. But then, like as he's picked her up in his arms, turns around and Rhino gores a pair of them straight through the. Oh, he looked. It looked amazing. It did, and I'm sure it was. Well, I'm, I'm sure the second spot was safer than it actually looked. But yeah, hmm. I did actually feel for for Laurie Fullington with the the apron pile driver. Yeah, through a yeah. table that that would have been painful. Yeah, I don't know you look at it. I had an interest in life. Um, I think so. Man. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. And then to cap all off, Rhino gets a mic and goes <laughs> says, "Happy Mother's Day, you fucking bitch." So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Tyler appreciated the sentiment. <laughs> yeah, and end end scene. Yeah, so um, end scene. I mean, it it served its purpose to continue to book Rhino as as an unstoppable monster, but yeah. as a match, it was the absolute dirt worst. Okay, yeah, yeah, and then we get the the um a, a bit of chat about what's gone on so far whilst they're looking at pretty much porn on the ECW website for a few minutes. Yeah. Essentially, <laughs> um, so this is the second of three main events. So that was the first of one of the three main events. Um, so Jerry Lynn out next, uh, and yeah. he's so he's not. I suppose in the, in the storyline there was sort of some. He wasn't actually fully heel, was he? There was like no, no. There was there was talk he may have been turning heel or, but not yeah this, this was around the time that he was starting to believe his own hype rather than just being a able competitor you know he was he was starting to show a little bit more of a of a side to him really he uh he reminds me of kenny omega to look at at this point yeah 
I think you're right, to be honest. And he, he probably would have been that equivalent person of his day, really, because, you know, he, yeah. he was pretty much that new sensation kind of thing um, for his, the few years that he spent in it. So, yeah, I think that's a very apt comparison to make, really. Thank you very much. Thanks. Um, yeah, you're welcome. We get, we get RVD. It was a nice Pantera for RVD. This is his first match back after injury. Yeah. For quite a while. It is, yeah, yeah. He'd uh, he'd had to relinquish the the TV title that he held for a shockingly long amount of time, um, in a good way, um, and yeah, I mean, it it goes without saying that in ECW's final years, the guaranteed banger match would be Jerry Lynn versus RVD, and not only was it the best thing on this show, but at the time it would have been um the the match itself whenever it was had would probably be one of the best things in all of the big three companies yeah yeah um obviously already comes out with fonzie and uh, scotty riggs we don't need scotty riggs it's not you don't need scotty riggs do we really i think anyone uh, i don't think anyone ever has uh, needed scotty riggs but um certainly not i think it's a strange dynamic with the face as well, RVD being the face, or the, you know, the bigger face of the two, and he's got two people at ringside with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it looks a bit odd, really, that he's he's the one that needs the entourage. It, yeah, it is a bit odd, really. But but the storyline is so the uh, I mean so Jerry Lynn's sort of bitter that he was away for a long time and didn't get the same kind of treatment that RVD did, did when he RVD did when he came back. Um, yeah, and. Uh, they play into it. Obviously, RBD's overconfident, like he always is. Jerry Lynn's a bit more aggressive, trying to sort of make a point, and uh, it's got RVD well scouted. Uh, but yeah, and I I like how they played up to that on commentary as well about how these two know each other so well inside and out that you know that they're going to have a counter for everything. So the only way that either of them is going to get the upper hand is to wear the other man down to such a point that they can't counter everything anymore that it was a really uh clever point made by joey i think yeah yeah and it is nip and tuck and they both go both go for a table outside and it kind of breaks down a bit yeah. from there um scotty riggs takes a bump from jerry lynn and fonzie keeps chucking chairs in the ring for rbd to use and uh but oh, then yeah. we get the again it's pretty i suppose on, as for storyline it kind of makes sense but then we get carino and victory come out again and cyrus comes down and yeah but Jerry Lynn fights him off. Yeah, so yeah, and I, I wasn't a fan of this. Um, no. Like, kind of when you consider what the finish was going to be, I, I think it takes away even more from what they're wanting to do with Scotty Riggs that they also have this going on with the network. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it kind of makes that finish look like a, like more of a damp squib. Really, I think it would have uh, still had the same impact and gravitas to just go with what, what Riggs does, really. Yeah. I mean, it's either one or the other. If you don't have the Scotty Riggs thing in there, if you've got that, then you don't need the mm. Rhino storyline and the network stuff played into it as well, do you? It's almost like that's where it's exactly. going to go after RVD's beaten Scotty Riggs. Well, yeah, just don't have Scotty Riggs. It just goes straight to the Rhino thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Lynn fights him off, and then Rhino comes out, and, um, of course, Jerry Lynn, when he was going for RVD by the looks of it, um, but then he takes RVD out as well. But uh, yeah. RVD fights back, takes Rhino out, Cyrus eats a chair, um, but so does Fonzie, and it looks like RVD's going to win, but Scotty Riggs pushes him off the top rope. But uh, they kind of play it on TV that Jerry Lynn didn't see that, so he's taking advantage of that. Jerry Lynn yeah. hits two 
cradle power drivers and gets a win. And that was yeah the end of RVD's streak. And that's the first time he'd lost. It was, yeah. It was his legitimate first loss since being the TV champion. Uh, so, so yeah, um, that's the thing. He didn't actually lose a match. Um, it was an injury that forced him out. And, and yeah, there was... There was a, a lot of kind of real life dynamic playing into the RVD Scotty Riggs thing because apparently they were legitimately uh, very good friends uh, yeah. behind the scenes, as it were, because they would have kind of come up together in WCD in WCW because obviously uh, RVD was there at the start of his career. Um, so for me, it would have made more sense that if they were going with the the Jerry Lynn heel turn, because he eventually joins the network. But if they'd had it where Scotty Riggs was the final factor that kind of helped Lynn finally beat Rob Van Dam, and they could have played up to that on TV, put them together, rather than having, you know, Scotty Riggs as just another mid-card heel that meant nothing mm. a week after this happened. Fair enough, but I just thought the whole network thing um even as as cool as the, the the rhino stuff was you know he was part of the the network as well um but again they could have just gone with the rhino in interference have it done with have lynn join the network but there was too much going on yeah um which kind of ruined the match as a whole um like that that ending mars it really because what was going on prior to it was very good you know yeah. again it was another one of those, the things that ECW is known for, that there would be at least one match that was above and beyond everything else. And before the finish, that it was this match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on to the real, the real main event then. No. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Officially. So just incredible. How, how did it come back then? Just incredible won the ECW title. So um, this goes all the way back to Mike Awesome, who, famously joined WCW while still ECW champion, uh, leading to this convoluted agreement where um, Taz, who was an uh, ex-ECW guy, faced Mike Awesome at a house show uh, to win the belt back uh, for ECW. And then Tommy Dreamer beat him for the title, uh, apparently. And then immediately after that, just incredible... Um, basically blindsides Tommy Dreamer. There's an impromptu title match, which just incredible wins. And he then dumps the tag team titles uh, that he held with Lance Storm immediately. And uh, the impact players explode, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my I probably saw just incredible for the first time when he turned up in um, X Factor. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I've not really seen much of his ECW a, stuff. No, and, and obviously being a, a former world champion in one of the big three companies really helped his stock when he returned to the WWF because we all know the legendary career that he had there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did, did he? Never no, mind. no, no. Aldo Montoya, yeah. Yeah. Um, to be fair, if, if they were going to do something like this and break up the Impact players, I'd have actually put the belt on Storm and mm. keep the impact players together a bit longer and actually have a kind of a, a slow build breakup with them. Um, I mean, again, you probably don't want to see just incredible as, as mega face or anything like that, but the, 
one of the big problems with this match for me is that there's no clear cut face here. No. You know, they're no. they're they're basically it's it's very similar to the opening match, really, in that they're they're trying to put a little bit more of animosity towards it, but it's just two former tag team guys having a match. Yeah, were they that big of a deal as a tag team that it would make them splitting up and having a main event match uh, a big thing? I mean, they were they were one of the bigger teams in ECW. I mean, they they had really good chemistry together and they'd, they'd held the belts for for a good while, but you know, it was hardly it was hardly say the Dudley Boys breaking up or or the gangsters or or something like that. You know, it was yeah. it was a team made up of, of two mid card guys, uh, and in my opinion, they gave the belt to the wrong one of those mid card guys. because, uh, you know, if you were building anybody up at this point of those two, it really should have been Lance Storm. He was a better talker, a way better wrestler, and he was a lot better at riling the crowd up. But mm. at the same time, um, if they had had a slow build breakup, he would have probably been the more likely one that fans would have cheered, rather okay. than him just be a guy that's facing a guy. Yeah. Um, so he, he just incredible comes out and he says he doesn't want a freeway match. Uh, and if anyone else, then Lance Storm comes out, he's gonna take the title and chuck it in the bin like he did with the uh, tag team belt. But Dreamer comes out. Yeah. And he's going to make his way to the ring. But then Heyman appears, the real one, not um, not, not Louis. No, not Louis. Not Louis Dangerously. <laughs> yeah. The real Heyman comes out and says, you know, you can't go in there. Like, he's got us by the balls. I mean, it was a, a strange... I don't know why, whether there was a legitimate reason for doing this, whether Dreamer was injured or it was just kind of... It just seemed odd. Just the it whole made of all the be range, honest. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I can I can only assume that Dreamer had an injury, maybe. But uh, but yeah. yeah, they don't give anything away, do they? No, no. But yeah, so Dreamer eventually sort of I'm going to be the better man and, and walk away, and uh, so yeah. Lance Storm comes out, and yeah, so it's going to be just Lance versus Justin. Um, and yeah, like you said, it, it just feels it just felt a bit flat after everything else which had gone by, which is I mean, fair enough because. Yeah. All the exciting stuff had kind of already happened, hadn't it? And this was a match between two two good wrestlers. It's just a match. Yeah. Really? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, there's 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 nothing particularly wrong with that, but it probably would have done this match more of a benefit if if it switched a couple of the matches around. Um, yeah. you know, I'm I'm not necessarily saying that Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn would have been a clear cut main event at this time. But you're talking about it being a return match for ECW's most popular wrestler. Um, you know, they could have switched these matches, and actually, I think this match would have benefited from it. But, but really, um, it's a match where I really expected more from both men as well. Um, to be perfectly honest, they, they yeah. had really good chemistry as a tag team. But it's it's sort of like every time the Hardy Boys feud, there's always something missing. You know? Mm, yeah. Yeah, you get the interference from the women. So I mean, so Francine had turned on of Tommy Dreamer, didn't she? Yeah, and yeah. Well, that's there. it. I mean, if yeah, and if you're doing your uh, ECW bingo card, then the only thing that would have been left for a full house was a cat fight. So yeah, you've got to shoehorn that in. We got that one. Um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, it breaks down at the end. There's interference, and ladies go out, and yeah. Dawn Marine gets tombstoned, which fucking hell. Yeah. Um, Lance hits with a cane, but. 
Justin reverses the tombstone and Lance kicks out, but then we end up with another one and um, he just wins. Just incredible. It's yeah. like, oh, and that's it. Yeah. But not quite. That's it. Very, out very flat. Yeah. Yeah. Schumer comes out and Kane's Justin and hits his finisher on Francine and that's the end. It was a flat, yeah, that's flat it. finish. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a, a very a very weird finish to what was um, a very good show from ECW for the most part. And the loudest the fans were in that match were when they were chanting, we want Dreamer. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, a strange one to finish with, but, but, again, I'd never seen that show before and, I think okay. I, I really enjoy, I mean it helped watch it on Daily Motion I think with the with the real audio and the intros because yeah it makes a lot more sense yeah. then if it had just been Sam Man walking around for six minutes to whatever they put on the network it, yeah it's not quite as uh not quite as entertaining is it but um no and that's the thing like the the first couple of um video releases um that ECW brought out over here so I think the first one might have been Guilty as Charged ninety nine. Um, actually had all of the original music on there as well. It was only yeah. kind of towards the end of that deal that um, whoever the company were, it might have been Big Vision, but I could be wrong, uh, started dubbing a lot of the themes themselves, which have then ended up being the the quote-unquote network dubs for the most part, uh, which, yeah, from, from those old videos, it, it kind of takes away from the enjoyment of them, really. So So really, a lot of what you're seeing on the the network shows like edited entrances and, and music cuts and things are actually from whatever they've bought from the the tape library yeah. with with a lot of the bigger shows um you know like a, a lot of the editing that they've done for the most part has been from the television show really yeah yeah right it's, but it is a like, shame because like you say yeah. it adds to the whole dynamic it does yeah 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 right um it's had find uh, time to find out whether chris and dave Meltzer are of a similar similar mindset uh here we go then <laughs> with uh with with the ratings so uh starting off with balls mahoney and uh and tanaka so very good opener like i said a little bit excessive um but i gave it three stars yeah same as dave oh, okay on. fair enough uh the uh yeah. the triple threat darkness match. triple threat darkness match so very much um a ECW three-way dance by numbers uh, in that it was fast-paced, starts with everybody getting their stuff in and yeah. what have you. Uh, but I I didn't mind it. Um, it was a messier take on it. So for that reason, I, I gave it two and a half stars. So two, two for Dave. So not far off. OK, no, I can see that. That's fair enough. Subjective. Uh, Kid Cash and C.W. Anderson. So... I wasn't a fan of how it finished. Um, I, I don't like those matches where one man dominates for the whole match and then uh, somebody gets the plucky win. Yeah. Uh, again, started as an angle. Not much. For me, two stars. So he, he, Meltzer's gone three stars for that, which is a bit a bit strong, I think. A bit excessive. It's a bit. Excessive. A bit. Um, yeah. The uh, three-way tag match. So three-way tag match, I thought it was uh, messy as everything. Um, stuff, stuff like this walked so that shite like the best friends and Evans and Angelico could run. Um, yeah. I gave it one and a half stars. Uh, two and a quarter. Dave wow. probably gives. Okay. Dave gives, Dave gives best friends 
win that probably today as well. So, uh, well, uh, I, I think he gave their match about uh, three and a half. So, yeah, yeah there's no accounting for taste. No. Uh, and we also get a rating for the New Jack versus Angel. Really? Yeah. Is it yeah. good? I hope it's no, good. No, gets one star, I guess. Oh. oh well. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't even the match. It was just a move, wasn't it? He just it got him in the ring. He just got him in the ring and beat him up. That was it. Yeah, it would it would be a a post show angle on any Raw in the year two thousand, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, basically. Yeah, um, Tajiri versus Steve Carino. Well, you you you're gonna think I'm mental, but I gave this three and a half stars. Three and a quarter from Meltzer, so not far off. Dave was a fan. Oh, all right then, nice one, uh, Dave. Rhino and Sandman. One star. Just didn't appeal to me at all. Three stars from Meltzer. So. Three stars. <laughs> yeah, I think he likes Metallica. Yeah, I mean, I I suppose there's some story there, but I was giving the star for the storyline progression and nothing else. No, no, yeah, three stars. Uh, RVD and Jerry Lynn. RVD and Jerry Lynn. Um, again, the finish brought it down for me, so um, it loses half a star for me. So I gave it three and a half. Yeah, same as Dave Matson. Fair enough. On that on that basis, that only got half a star more than uh, Rhino and Sandman. So, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the main event again, no accounting for taste. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then the main event um, for the reasons that I've stated, uh, I will repeat myself again. Uh, two and a half stars. Yeah, it, it wasn't on. bad, but it could have been so much better. Yeah, yeah. Two and a half, correct. Oh, fair play. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. Well, mate, a pleasure as always having you on. Then, likewise, it's good to watch uh, an interesting show which I've not watched before. So that was uh, that was enjoyable. Yeah. And it's always good to, have to catch up. I mean, you know, we've done this a few times, haven't we? Indeed. So you're, you're probably one of the most. I'm not sure who that, apart from Steve, who the next highest featured person on the show's been. But you might be. How many times you've been on? Three, four. Maybe uh, four, I think. Yeah, four, yeah, possibly, four. possibly. So you're up there on the yeah. on the list. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you want to give oh, everybody boy. a little uh, plug of everywhere of uh, where we can find your stuff? And absolutely, yeah. So uh, from a from a personal level, uh, you can find me on Twitter at real Chris Bellis. Uh, to to quote Rob, it really is more about the mutuals than it is the followers. I will talk to you about anything. Uh, so yeah, do please throw me a follow on there. I'm I'm not quite as awkward and stunted as I've sounded on this show at times. Um, with with regards to the podcast, uh, you can throw us a follow at One Man's Meat Pod on Twitter. Um, we do very much want to interact with people more. It hasn't been for want of trying, so do reply to our tweets, please, or else the show's just going to get progressively worse because we want your <laughs> feedback for what yeah. we want. Um, and there are plans afoot, if it's affordable, to uh, have a, a YouTube channel set up at some point. But it's just um, being a nurse uh, and what have you. It's just I, I can't really justify shelling out for a, a StreamYard subscription. So I'm trying to find ways for it to look credible on a budget. But there's there's plans afoot to do something with that if it does go off the ground. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I said, all the you and Danny are amazing, and I, I do enjoy Acceptable Denial because sir. it is it is I do, I do like this show can fucking go on sometimes for hours and hours and hours. I do like a nice sort of <laughs> half an hour kind of quick little, and you can run through seven or eight in really quick succession. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. So um, according to 
Dan Griffin, we, we uh, he guested recently on our review of the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, and he, he basically said that with, with the Cold Cut series now and um, the acceptable in the 90s, we should start marketing ourselves as uh, the, the masters of the lunch break, which I thought was very yeah. apt, really. Yeah, cause, yeah um, especially with acceptable, I do try and make them around about half an hour to 40 minutes um you know there's there's the few episodes that have gone longer than that but yeah that's generally what i'm aiming to do is kind of more bite size just get to the point let the clips do the talking a lot of the time as well you know just just kind of showcase some very underrated stuff from both companies really yeah yeah i know like with this show i know a fair amount of people who only listen to the first half an hour <laughs> <laughs> and there they go. <laughs> Once you start talking about wrestling, switch off. So if anyone's still with us at this point, exactly. um, hey, how's it going? Um, next week <laughs> it is uh, I'm being joined by Glenn Abbott, and we are going back to not too far back actually. We're going back to um, 2015 to look at NXT Takeover Unstoppable, which was the fifth Takeover, oh, nice. which is um, made available by. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn for the title. Kevin Owens defending the title there. Yeah. Uh, Sasha and Becky. Um, Blake and Murphy versus Big Cass and Enzo Amore. I don't want to shop with those guys. Uh, one of my favourite wrestlers, uh, Baron Corbin beating... Uh, oh, 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 spoiler. <laughs> Baron Corbin taking on a guy who featured on Tonight's show, Rhino. And um, Bailey and Charlotte versus Dana Brooke and Emma. <laughs> and it was uh, one of Finn Balor's first singles matches as the demon on the nxt where he's taking on tyler breeze one of my favorite nxt wrestlers um yeah yes that's a good good show i'm gonna have to watch that card before next week because yeah yeah very much looking forward to seeing what you and uh you and glenn think again uh, another another one of your uh, good egg hosts is is glenn he's a he's a good lad yeah yeah very entertaining i might have to uh console him after arsenal's uh recent you know demise from the top of the table but uh we'll see things can change just yeah. yeah i mean they can but um with all due respect because i was i was rooting for them this is arsenal we're, we're talking about you know they yeah. they know how to capitulate and, and how don't they? it's something about north london isn't it? i'm not sure it is <laughs> something it certainly in the is yeah yeah definitely yeah. yeah it's 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 all that uh camden hellis that they've got on tap over there i think yeah god right so we'll um we'll finish off now with with Chris's choice of a favourite TV theme tune. So you can't have Prison Cell Block H because we played that earlier on during the competition, mate. So. No. no. Well, I was I was really racking my brains for this because um, as as someone that has a a 90 centric podcast, I will go to great lengths to tell anybody that will listen that the 1980s was the best time for cartoons, and there was literally something for everyone. But I have gone with uh, what, in my mind, is one of the greatest TV themes of all time, past, present and future. And that is the theme to Dog Tanyon and the Muskerhounds. Oh, OK. And it ties into the, uh, the pay-per-view as well, doesn't it? <laughs> it absolutely does. And does. I I honestly, I I actually thought of the my YouTube clip and my theme before I even started watching this show. So it's yeah, quite surprisingly apt. So uh, yeah, um Simon Diamond, Pat Kenny, whatever you want to call yourself these days, 
this one's for you buster oh fantastic that's a great choice and uh thank you everybody for supporting the show all the people in new zealand listening <laughs> anyone still left uh from the first half an hour and uh yeah we're back next week with glenn and cheers take care guys thank you very much bye bye